podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With transmissions from the Invisible Sun, we talk about the people who continue to build upon the world of the Invisible Sun. Join us on the path of suns and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast transmissions from the Invisible Sun, we've typically talked about stuff from Monty Cook Games. But we're expanding this segment to encompass the community that is telling their own stories with and about the game. So I wanted to uh, do kind of a roundup of all the stuff that, well, a bunch of the stuff that's out there uh, that other people are doing uh, for Invisible Sun, you know, from actual plays to uh, Twitter accounts to all sorts of things. Like I put a a call out there uh, last week or so. Uh, just to see, like, hey, what's what's going on out in the world of, you know, community projects that people have for Invisible Sun? And I got a whole bunch of uh, responses to it, which was really cool. Uh, and I've, you know, collected all that here, and I'm gonna we're gonna run through it real quick. Um, but I think before we get into the the whole list, and uh, of course, all of these um, actual plays and uh, blogs and whatnot. I'm going to have them listed in the show notes with links to everything. So if you're looking for inspiration that you can use uh, in your Invisible Sun game, all of this stuff is going to be in the show notes. So you should be able to get at it fairly easily. Um, so, uh, yeah. Hey, Scott, um, there are community projects out there for Invisible Sun. It looks like there are several of them. Uh, it might be worth talking for a minute about how people can use this. Um, I mean, first, obviously they, they are entertaining in and of themselves, uh, yeah. but also this is a place people can draw for NPCs or inspiration for storylines, locations. Um, so it's just a, a wealth of, of information that people can uh, mine for uh, inspiration. Yeah. It's a, it's a great source for all that kind of stuff. Um, do you use any sort of uh, community projects to get ideas for things to use in your games? I am not much of a follower of actual plays, but some of the blogs and certainly Twitter uh, that will uh, accounts that we'll talk about uh, later are things that I have drawn from uh, for inspiration. And like, what are you looking for when you're digging for that sort of inspiration? Is it specifically NPCs or is it something that just sort of strikes your fancy as you're scrolling through Twitter that triggers some sort of idea? I would say most often it's either an NPC or a location, and I don't usually take them a whole cloth. I'll take like the one aspect I find particularly interesting and then adapt it to the circumstances of my particular campaign. So Mm -hmm. I may know that I have an NPC coming up who is, let's say, a chef at a restaurant that for some reason I know the, the players will be visiting in the next session. So I just have in the back of my mind, you know. Uh, surreal chef, surreal chef. And then if someone posts something, whether it's about a chef or not, that I think might fit with that uh, particular uh, need I have for an NPC, I might just grab one aspect. It could be a a name. Um, It could be if they have modified their body form. 
Uh, it could be uh, something about the restaurant itself. Uh, again, not necessarily keeping the whole idea, but I'd be open to do so if, if uh, it all seemed to fit. But even just one little nugget of, of inspiration is uh, valuable. Um, I've got, I've got some inspiration for you for a chef. <laughs> Have I talked about the zoo, the restaurant in our game? I don't believe so. Oh man. Uh, so the zoo is one of the locations that my players came up with, uh, at the character and neighborhood creation. And the zoo is a restaurant where you go in and the chefs are, well, I don't know if it's so much the chefs, but animals will walk around from table to table and you will order cuts of meat from the animals and they will carve them off at your table for them to then be cooked. It, it reminds me uh, of the restaurant at the end of the universe with the uh, animal that was genetically engineered to want to be served. <laughs> and yeah. so he has, is having a conversation about the wonderful cuts he could make for people of himself. Um, and yeah, so like that, that might, that's something I might bring into a, a restaurant and say, oh, well, either I like the idea of the animals walking around, um, or, um, I like this idea of a person who maybe through magical means is sort of regenerates all of the time and is very happy to share, uh, him or herself with the customers of this, uh, restaurant. It's, it's a location that we've revisited a few times now. <laughs> Um, all right. So let's, let's, uh, let's go through this list. Um, we're not going to dwell too much on everything that's in here. There's a lot of stuff, but, um, we have a whole bunch of actual plays that are out there and we all know what actual plays are. I'm not going to, you know, get into what that is, but, um, so I got a whole bunch of responses about people who are in actual plays or people who are running actual plays and there are a whole bunch out there that have, you know, whole seasons that you can watch through. Uh, and there are also a few that are still currently running that you can catch up with and then continue watching as they publish more episodes. Um, so we've got uh, Unearthly Twilights, which is run by Grant Ellis and uh, Travis Bowles. Uh, and they have a whole first season up on YouTube. Uh, and this is they're, they're part of the WebDM Plays channel. Are you familiar with that channel, Scott? I'm familiar with the name, but since I'm not really uh, active, active uh, actual play consumer, I don't, I don't watch a lot off of it. But I, it's certainly kind of a name brand among actual plays. Yeah, um, I also don't watch a whole lot of actual plays. Um, I usually tend to take that kind of stuff in uh, through either a podcast form or you know just reading through stuff. Um, so I uh, just wanted to shout these out here. Um, so Unearthly, Unearthly Twilights, they have a whole first season up. Um, there are links to that season. Uh, there's a whole playlist out there. I couldn't find any information about uh, if they're doing a season two on it. Um, so I'll have, I'll have to look into that and update the show notes appropriately. Um, we also have uh, The Hole in the World, which is... Um, it's an actual play that is uh, streaming every other Sunday at uh, 4.30 Eastern time. And this is part of the Manapot Studios Twitch channel. Um, so you can find links to, you know, their first episode up on YouTube. Uh, and you can also, you know, check out their archive on their Twitch channel as well. Uh, but this one looks to be like they're still running it right now. And you can get in there and, and watch it uh, as they get through this current season. Uh, 
Then we also have a, a variant roles game, um, As the Sun Burns. And that is also currently running, or nope, not currently running it. They just wrapped up season one. Uh, and this thing was running every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and there are links to the Twitch channel. Uh, and you can also see uh, the whole season one uh, listed out on their YouTube channel. And there's also an anthology series that is run by the Variant Roles channel. Um, it's called the Visley Anthology. And I poked around in there for a little bit. And it looks like they bring in, you know, different uh, different characters, I think even different GMs to run, um, you know, one shots or, you know, a couple of episodes long, small stories in there, which, you know, was pretty cool. So I'll probably be going through some of those because I can totally commit to a couple hours for like, you know, a small contained story. But like once we get into the longer actual plays, I'm not sure if I'd be able to keep up with that. Um, they've also got a Twitter channel or a Twitter uh, handle out there that you can take a look at. Um, yeah, it's useful ahead. to have these different ways of finding the material because I found Twitch to be very difficult to navigate. Uh, Twitch is uh, uh, the worst. <laughs> uh, and I think they're still all listed as Dungeons and Dragons. I think like every RPG is just called Dungeons and Dragons um, or it's in some other generic talking category. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's hard to find Invisible Sun specific feeds through Twitch's uh, actual search mechanisms. Instead, these links will probably be the best way to find what's going on specific to Invisible Sun on Twitch. Or as I usually do, I just wait for them because almost everybody who streams on Twitch will then push it over to YouTube. Yeah, um, and then you can yeah. you can search more robustly on YouTube. Yeah. And a lot of the channels have playlists set up for their seasons and for their different categories that they're running games through. Um, so the next one, we're going to move on over to, uh, uh, what's our, what's our channel name? Cyphercast? Yes. Cyphercast Network? Yes. I didn't want to say Cyphercaster because that's a magazine, but, right. um, in the Cyphercast Network family, we've got, um, we've got Jim Ryan running, uh, the edge of paradox. Uh, and he's got that streaming every Saturday at 8 PM Eastern on his Twitch channel. So you can find it on Twitch and there's also a YouTube playlist that I have linked that you can go in there and, and check out what he's doing. Uh, they've been running that for several sessions now. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and then we're going to get into the, I guess the mm, almost official ones. Um, there's a woman with hollow eyes, which is run by Darcy Ross. We've had her on here and she's, talked about this one uh, a couple times because they've done two seasons now uh, and both of those seasons are up on YouTube um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in there and they do a whole bunch of work with uh, development mode and they really they really take what development mode is sort of sketching out and they just sort of run with it and you know their development mode sessions are really meaty and there's there is a difference between like when they're actually playing with all the rules and when they're doing development mode, but you know, story-wise they're, they're pretty significant and important to the rest of the game. Yeah. I found the woman with hollow eyes to be one of the most important sort of trend setting actual plays Yeah, that uh, in part because it was one of the first uh, and it had this quasi official status. It had its own Kickstarter, but mm -hmm. also because it, it is uh, uh, the, it, the players are like, 
people trained in improvisational drama and comedy. And they, so the quality of the acting is really emphasized um, that it, it has it is both a fantastic illustration of what can be done, uh, but also sets a very high standard. So you know, <laughs> uh, it, it illustrates how you can uh, use the game in various ways, some ways that are not uh, you know, rules as written, but are instead fitted to the, the set, the particular group mm-hmm. um, and really bring that group out and to tell a fantastic story. Uh, so I, I like it for for a variety of reasons like that. But you have to be wary of what some now call the Matt Mercer effect, which is the uh, the the feed um, may create unrealistic expectations of what it's like to have a GM who is both very good and closely connected to the game itself and its company and a table full of players who have years and years of theatrical experience. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I find really entertaining with the a woman with hollow eyes is you know how the players all get really into describing what their characters are doing and how their magic works and how it all functions and what it looks like and what it's like to experience it and yeah the matt mercer effect is not every player is going to want to get into that sort of thing so uh i think it's something that I like to try and push my players into doing more like get more descriptive like you know, tell me what it's like. Tell me what this looks like. Tell me how you react to this. Like what happens here? Uh, so I, I think there are a lot of good lessons to learn from this one. Um, but it's not for every player, not for every table. Yeah, it's. I, I think of it aspirationally. Like this is what one version of the game can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not what all what everyone wants. It is not what everyone's capable of with without years of training. Uh, but it is useful to show people like this is what you could do with a strongly player centered approach to Invisible Sun. Yeah. Uh, so it, um, but don't it's not the only way to play the game. And it's not the only uh, that falling short of those expectations is not failure. Uh, so you kind of have to keep that all in mind. But it is wonderful to have this sort of model out there to see. Yeah. And it's really cool because the players in that game are just totally bought into the whole premise and the whole idea behind Invisible Sun. It's really cool. Um, Then we have the official one, which is The Raven Wants What You Have, which Monty Cook runs. He's the GM for that. Uh, And the players are, you know, the MCG crew. You've got Bruce, Darcy, Shauna, and Sean Reynolds um, as the players for this game. Uh, And they've got, I think they've got like two seasons up. They had like one season that they recorded over the course of a weekend and then they did some you know they did a live play at gen con and then they did some you know another set of recordings i believe um but they have a whole bunch of stuff with development mode here like short um short directed development mode scenes um but then you also this is the other sort of way of looking at how to run invisible sun this is you know kind of how monty would run invisible sun I guess it is kind of an abbreviated version of how he runs Invisible Sun because it was on such a short schedule, but it gives you a really good idea of like how he runs the game and how he approaches this and you know how he gets the players to interact with the world. And again, it's it's one way of playing the game. It can be inspiration, but it shouldn't be considered binding. Yep. Uh, it is also interesting like I, I uh, you know, heap praise on the acting quality. It's a very different experience and in some ways a more accessible one than the woman with hollow eyes. 
because the Raven wants what you have, especially that first season was you recorded over a weekend early in the cycle of the development or not of the development, but at least of the release mm-hmm. of Invisible Sun. So it's it it doesn't have quite the same expectations of its players that you do when you have a group of theater uh, theater professionals. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this uh, one, like this felt more like this is uh, this is what a bunch of players are going to do, not actors. <laughs> Right. And it's, and it's a great contrast with The Woman with Hollow Eyes. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one we have to shout out here is The Truth Bleeds at Twilight. You can find this one on uh, Monty Cook Games' Twitch channel. Uh, it's buried in there. There are like four four episodes up on Twitch. Uh, you can also find the first session on YouTube. And uh, I have the first episode for uh, on Twitch linked in the show notes. Um and this is, you know, Monty Cook Games hosted this on their channel, and it was put together by a bunch of people from The Notion, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and uh, you can also find one of the hosts from Incantations on this. Because, uh, Scott, you were you were in a couple of episodes, weren't you? I think I was in about half the episodes, maybe four of them. I, Something like that, three or four. Uh, I thought there were only four, but I could be mistaken. Yeah, I, I thought there were more than that. It's been a little while now, um, and I was not on every episode, I, I, I okay. recall. And um, But yeah, I was on a good number of them. Yeah, when I was looking through Twitch, I found four. There might be more up there, but it was Twitch, and I couldn't find them all. Find them all. And you, you have to uh, listen to that podcast, or th- that actual play, to hear about the conspiracy of silverware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so those are all the actual plays that, um, I was able to collect. Um, and I've watched a few of them and I'm going to be watching a few more of them as time goes on. And I guess when it comes to actual plays, I'm not really looking for inspiration from them. I'm just kind of looking for like, how do other people run this game? Which is what we've talked about with the like inspirational, you know, with hollow eyes here's one way to do it and the raven wants what you have here's a another way to run this game right it's important to keep in mind with all actual plays in every game uh, there's compromises made to the management of the game Mm -hmm. because it is intended for broadcast and that's that's fine Um, it also i think gives a bit of a of license that when you're playing your game um if in the moment to, to improve the experience of the players, you may not want to do everything that's that's in the rules as written. I know in my last session, we had the climax of our season two. <laughs> and uh, in the kind of big uh, climactic ritual scene, uh, several times like, ah, I don't even want to roll for this because I like where this is going. So we're just going to move with that. Um, or I don't know if this is actually allowed by the rules, but it sounds really interesting. We're going to go with that because it works with this story right now. Uh, and one thing the actual plays have really validated is prioritizing entertainment for those in the room or for those you're broadcasting to, uh, rather than obedience to, uh, printed text. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was going to say that the, the moments in the game where we say, well, there's a rule that tells us we're supposed to do this, but then we ignore it because what we're ignoring it for is more exciting or more memorable. Those are the moments that we always come back to and say, oh, you remember when that happened? You remember that really cool moment? Like it wasn't usually the rules that made that moment cool. It was the moment itself, you know, transcending the rules of the game and the game itself. Yes, it made me fall in love with Ephemera all over again. Awesome. 
Um, <laughs> so we've got a, a small section next. This is podcasts. There's one other podcast that I know of. <laughs> the it's so it's the Secret Seller, which is Jason Robinson's podcast, where he he brings guests on uh, to talk about the storytelling process in various forms of art and technology and all sorts of things. Uh, and this this show takes place in a Grey Haven bar found under zeros. And if you haven't listened to the Secret Seller, you should go listen to the Secret Seller. It's really good. It's not always Invisible Sun specific, but it is set within the Invisible Sun uh, setting. Uh, so it has that going, you know, it, it connection to the Invisible Sun. It all, it all, even when it's not about this, the game Invisible Sun, it's often dealing with topics and themes that are central to Invisible Sun games. Mm-hmm. So even if it isn't about like the uh, the green sun or whatever, uh, there's a lot of inspiration to be had from these conversations about art and surrealism, uh, whether they are name checking invisible sun locations or not. Um, so then we have blogs and there are a couple of blogs out there uh, and there's stuff in those blogs that you're going to be able to pull some inspiration from. So the first one we have is uh, the notion, which is a newspaper that's published in Saturn. Uh, and there are a whole bunch of articles in there, um, and you can read through those articles as sort of like, you know, informational newspaper stories about things that have been happening in Saturn. Uh, and that's run by uh, Jason Robinson and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, and they were also a bunch of the creative people here were also behind the Truth Bleeds at Twilight. Um, do you have anything else you want to add about the notion here, Scott? Yeah, it, it's um, it varies in its level of activity. <laughs> As do um, all blogs. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, I just want to make sure people are, are kind of aware of that. Uh, but I, I suspect that the team at the Notion is always interested in also people who are interested in contributing as well. Uh, it's intended to be a community location, uh, a, a, a blog for the community. And so uh, rather than simply uh, a, a record of one or a small number of people's contributions. Uh, so I think if, if people are interested uh, in what they see there, uh, they may also be interested in contacting uh, Jason and others at the at the Notion uh, about whether they want to participate and uh, be actively involved in creating new uh, material for the blog. Yeah, uh, more stuff out there would be great. Uh, the next blog we have is the Magniloquent Moth. Um, so this is a blog that was put together by Voidlight, who's one of the contributors to the Notion. Uh, and it's uh, it's got a roadmap for where where he wants to go with uh, with this blog. Um, and you know, he he responded to my Twitter post, uh, my tweet, whatever it's called, and. Uh, so I'm calling it out here. Um, check out the check out this blog, the Magniloquent Moth. It's uh, pretty cool. Um, he's only got a couple of posts out there, and it's you know, it's got a roadmap that looks. It's got a whole bunch of topics listed through it uh, that seem really cool. And hey, uh, Voidlight, if you get out there and uh, post some more stuff, um, yeah, let us know uh, because I'll I'll retweet it and you know, get the word out there too. Um, but this would be cool. It's based on apparently a year long campaign. They've, they've already, they've completed for invisible sun. Mm-hmm. So the, I suspect there's a large backlog of material they have to talk about. Yeah. Um, so that's it for blogs. And the last, uh, last section we're going to talk about will be Twitter accounts. Um, 
So there, yeah, there's all sorts of people that talk about Invisible Sun. That's cool and all, but I don't. I'm I'm not shouting those out. Um, there are three accounts that I have followed that I think are interesting um, because they do little bits of, I guess you could say, microfiction. So we might as well start with Invisible Sun microfictions. And this Twitter account, uh, they post uh, little things here and there that just sort of, you know, can help kickstart ideas for Invisible Sun and stories in that setting. Um, so you, you can find that one. It's at is underscore microfiction. Um, and it's really cool. I like it a lot. Um, then there's the, uh, we have another newspaper publication, the Lower Taverswood Gazette. Uh, this is at Taverswood, and it is a source for local news and community updates for uh, the Taverswood district in Satterine. Um, and then the last one we have is Vizlay Tweets. Uh, that would be at Vizlay Tweets. Uh, and these are messages from the Noosphere. Uh, and this was a uh, one that I had seen, but I hadn't really uh, followed it until you know earlier today when I was going back through all this stuff. And I said, oh, this one I should definitely follow it uh, because it looks like, you know, thoughts and transmissions from the noosphere itself uh, in Invisible Sun. Uh, so these are all cool little Twitter accounts that just shoot out little bits of uh, thought and prose that for me, I, I will chew on these every once in a while and say, there might be something in here that I want to expand upon and pull into my Invisible Sun campaign. And there are Twitter accounts for Dungeons and Dragons that do the same thing, which, you know, these feel very much akin to. Uh, so I really appreciate these little nuggets that I can, that I can get from them. Yeah, and it mirrors the way that uh, MCG has written a lot of the setting material into Invisible Sun, where uh, they don't have like pa as as many like page long descriptions of this location or that location. Mm -hmm. It might be a couple paragraphs, uh, but as, as especially with NPCs, often it's just two or three sentences to give you the essence of that of what make that make that character distinctive, and you run with it. And it's almost as if the books have little bitty tweets in the side margins uh, to give you inspiration. So tweeting seems like a natural format for uh, it, it adding more content uh, from the community. Yeah, Twitter's all right, and I also hate it. <laughs> I use it for a very specific purpose. <laughs> so... <sighs> Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't use it. I rather, rather deliberately don't use it for other purposes, like trying to find out what's going on in the world. Oh, or uh, like arguing policy. Uh, also that. Is there anything else you want to talk about um, for uh, Invisible Sun community projects that are out there? No, I think it is worth reiterating that, you know, the community is what we make of it. Um, MCG products have, I think, uh, a... a good reputation for having robust and inclusive communities. Uh, we want to keep them that way. Uh, but, and we want the, we want to see what um, can emerge from these communities. You know, we are, this podcast is part of that community. We're, we're not an MCG. You have no official relationship with MCG at all. Um, and the, a, a lot of what I enjoy about the community is all of these things that are being produced kind of out around the game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we, we, you know, we control that as the community uh, and uh, it's ours to make active or inactive, to make inclusive or, or hopefully not its alternatives. Uh, but it, the community is what we make of it. 
and uh, one of our motivations for talking about the various uh, places you can find inspiration from Visible Sun in podcasts and actual plays and things like that is just to promote this community as a place for sharing. And the more robust it is, the more valuable and entertaining it is for all of us. Uh, but it does fall on all of us to keep it both entertaining and inclusive. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.